Welcome to PeopleTech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. I'm Mark Pfeffer. My guest today is Nancy Miller, the Director of Talent Technology Solution Design at the staffing firm Atrium. We're going to talk about contingent workers, what they want and what employers should expect, and more on this edition of PeopleTech. Hey, Nancy, it's great to meet you. So you've seen a lot go on during your time in the business. Um, What do you think are some of the most important or significant developments regarding contingent workers that you've seen over the past years? Yeah, I think uh, when I think back to when I started in the industry, and I hate to say this out loud, but more than 20 years ago, um, the contingent workforce industry was really just thought of as um, I need to fill a a gap or a a hole. I've got a receptionist going out for, you know, maternity leave and I need somebody to backfill, right? Uh, It was kind of that um, I need a temp mentality. Um, And, you know, over the years, as companies have started to utilize more contingent labor, um, you know, just seeing the the industry evolve. um, And, you know, I think most recently, it's, you know, predicted, it'll be at least 50% in the next few years. And you're definitely seeing that, um, especially post pandemic. And uh, it's really become uh, contingent workforce is more of a strategic part of a company's workforce versus, hey, I just need a temp to cover for a few months for somebody's leave. So, it's gone from, you know, just filling a hole to to really being a strategic part of the workforce, which is uh, a, quite a change over the last 20 plus years. How'd that happen and, and why did it happen? Yeah, so I think, um, you know, there's, there's a few drivers behind that. I think as um, we've seen the uh, the the job market in general, you know, have some up and downs. I think of the the Great Recession. Um, thinking back to how that changed companies' perception of how do I make sure that um, I have a flexible workforce? I think companies always thought about how do I scale up and down, um, but that was a very very drastic um, um, up and down. And um, even thinking back, you know, just how much COVID has pushed us forward in in many areas and, and contingent usage for sure um, has, has pushed, uh, it's pushed the industry forward quite a bit. Um, and when I think about, you know, the, again, the scaling up and scaling down of contingent workforce, um, during that time as well, you know, we saw such great, um, variance in, in usage. And so I think companies are, are starting to say, uh, more and more, how can I utilize my workforce more strategically? And that thought process has continued, um, you know, over the last, you know, 20 plus years, right? Um, I also think that uh, with technology, especially you've got this work from home happening or really work from anywhere, um, you know, there's just a, a greater access to different types of talent. And so there's different ways to engage with those folks. It's very different just from your traditional um, staffing. And so there's there's a, um, an awakening happening to say, hey, there's different ways that I can get work done versus just having perm staff and then you know, having these folks that are that are my temp staff. Um, and then I also think about um, just, you know, technology and the access to those those workers, right? You know, back in the day, you had to have a local staffing company that had, you know, candidates that were local to you. That's where you went for your talent. Now you can use a, a marketplace. You can um, even engage yourself with talent. You can work with staffing suppliers in, in different parts of the world as well. So, 
as we become more of a, a technologically advanced and remote world in general, how we access talent um, has gone along with that as well. Um, you know, right now there's a lot of talk about the great resignation, which seems to be turning into the great return, but, um, but the great resignation represented a, a shift in the labor market's dynamics. Um, so employers have had to work harder uh, for one thing to, to find people. Um, I know there, there are cycles that this is all cyclical, but do these new dynamics have staying power and specifically staying power with the contingent workers? I definitely think so. And I, I think about, um, you know, uh, we, we talked a little bit about um, direct sourcing, right, as, as part of this as well. And feel free, Mark, to cut that out if you want to. But um, when I think about um, the access to um, to information about, about companies and work environments and, um, you know, obviously the rise of social media, um, you know, I think that when you're looking at a role um, and you come into a company, you know, you can find out beforehand, you know, anything about, you know, your boss, for example, your team, the company, the work environment, the culture, um, et cetera. And then if, you know, you're not feeling it, you can go and find out something about another company. Um, and so they're just, there's so much access to information. Um, and, and I think that, um, the way that people have started to think about work post COVID has changed dramatically as well. And, and I, I, I definitely experienced this myself. Um, and, I think that going through a pandemic, which is something you know we hadn't seen in 100 plus years, uh, really shook us up from a psychological perspective and had people thinking differently about how do I want to live my day to day life. So you know, if I if I'm not happy in a job, if it's not fulfilling my needs, you know, I think people just started to say, hey, uh, I, I I want to have that more meaningful um, experience day to day. Um, I think that um, people, you know, again, going back to being able to see what it might be like to work in another company, branding, social media, all of that information available. Um, I, you know, I don't, I don't see that going away anytime soon. You know, if you talk to employers, they, they tend to talk about contingent workers as really happy people because they have flexibility and they have, they're more likely to work who they want to and, and all of that. Is that true? I mean, are contingent workers really that happy? I mean, <laughs> or, or are they looking for a full-time job? Yeah, I think if they were, everyone would be right. That's the, that's the secret sauce. Um, I, you know, I there there definitely is some flexibility that comes with with contingent workforce, and um, you know, I'll kind of put them into two into two buckets. One is um, thinking about independent consultants. So uh, there was a big increase in company filings um, during COVID and just post COVID, really for people who are filing as independent contractors and establishing their own business. So those are the people who said, hey, I've got a skill and I want to work when I want, where I want. And I feel like I can market that skill. And I feel like those people do have a greater satisfaction because of that flexibility. I think you're also going to have those individuals who, um, you know, are still kind of on your typical contract roles, right? Whether it be, um, you know, someone who's a project manager or someone who works in a call center, um, you know, and those people, th that varies, you know, some do like to 
you know, maybe work for six to eight months and then have a month off and then maybe go back to a different assignment or, you know, they like to bounce around from company to company if the opportunity is there. Um, there are others that are still entering those contingent workforce roles and saying, you know, I'm going to come in as a contractor and I really want to be hired onto this company. So um, I don't think you can say a generalization um, when you put the entire non-employee ecosystem together and say, all of those folks are happier. But when I think about those individuals who kind of stepped out on their own um, and are empowering their own career, I, I would say, yes, those individuals do tend to be happier people. What about the people who are both? You know, they, they have a full-time job, but then they need a second job. So they they have some, they're driving for Uber or just taking a part-time part -time shifts at the grocery yeah. store. Yeah. Can you talk about that? I, I think that, um, you know, there's, there's definitely something empowering about having the opportunity to jump into an Uber, for example, and be able to figure out, you know, hey, this week, um, I'm going to do three driving shifts because, you know, I want to take this vacation or something, right? And, and having an opportunity to jump into a gig like that um, versus, you know, going to a grocery store, like you said, maybe you require to work 20 hours a week and you have to work every Saturday and you won't, don't want to work every Saturday, right? So I think there's there's some empowerment to having choice in the opportunities that you can take that, you know, didn't exist, you know, even really four to five years ago. Those workers, those, you know, full-time and contingent workers, aren't they tired? Um, <laughs> aren't they feeling kind of put upon because they're working more yeah. than you know, the usual amount? Yeah, 100%. And I think that's where, you know, if you're, if you have a full-time employee that feels like they have to go get a part-time job to make ends meet, I, I think as a company, that's where you should be worried. Um, and that's where, you know, as we were saying, the great resignation comes into play. Um, you know, it, it might be very easy for that person to find out that there's a similar company and a similar role and, you know, they're paying you know, 50% more, hey, I don't need my my part-time job anymore. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, I definitely don't think that's an ideal situation. Um, so if you were talking to some corporate leaders, um, what would you tell them the role of contingent workers should be for them? And, you know, how do you think that's evolving as we move into you know, the future? Yeah, I definitely think that, um, you know, they they should take a, a long, hard look at how they're using their contingent labor currently and whether or not that's meeting their needs. Are they able to meet their strategic business objectives with the labor force that they have? And that could include full-time as well, right? And really looking at your mix. Um, you know, there are some organizations I would say maybe are too heavy on the contingent side, right? And maybe they're experiencing some turnover and that's impacting productivity. Um, or maybe they're outsourcing and that company doesn't have the level of expertise that an in-house team might have, for example. So I think that they need to take a look at their workforce mix as a whole. Um, I also think that um, engaging with their workforce planning team or having someone come in to help them with workforce planning is becoming more and more critical. Um, you know, again, talking about being able to be, you know, scaling up and scaling down with contingent workforce. Um, I think they really need to think strategically about how they're going to use it, when they're going to use it, and be able to look at their business with their workforce planners and say, okay, if we want to achieve these objectives, what type of workforce mix do we need to achieve these objectives? 
Do you love news about LinkedIn, Indeed, Google, and just about every other recruitment tech company out there? Hell yeah. I'm Chad. I'm Cheese. We're the Chad and Cheese Podcast. All the latest recruiting news and insights are on our show. Dripping in snark and attitude. Subscribe today wherever you listen to your podcasts. We We out. Let me shift gears a little bit. Um, Usually, or traditionally, it's been um, HR deals with bringing on full-timers and procurement deals with bringing on contractors. Those worlds are are starting to mesh um, and overlap. So what's going on there and and where do you think it's going to go, especially on the HR side? Yeah, I, I love this question and I'm probably a little bit biased because uh, I led a contingent program that was part of the HR department for six and a half years. So, um, you know, I, I certainly uh, will probably always lean on the side of, of having it sit in HR. But um, but in all honesty, I think um, I think this is this is where it belongs. I don't think contingent labor is a commodity. Um, I don't think it should ever have been treated that way, although I understand, you know, there's um there's a lot of pieces of it that seem like they should sit with a purchasing department or procurement department, but really it's it's people, right? We're talking about people and we're talking about workforce. And if there are HR departments that still say, hey, we don't deal with our contingent workforce, HR just deals with our permanent in-house workforce, um, they're missing the boat, I, I really think. Um, and, and I do see a lot of companies that are having HR, um, specifically TA, start to own those contingent programs. And I think that's, that's the right move. You know, you can't, you can't not look at it holistically and expect to have those results. And how are solutions providers doing with all this? The, the people that make the, you know, the HCM platforms or the talent acquisition platforms, you know, those things are really had been designed for full-time workers. They're starting, I think, to move into contingent worker management, but are they doing a good job? Are they addressing the right things? That's such a great question. Um, and, you know, this is the world that I live and breathe in every day. And I would say there there is not one platform that I can tell you that's doing it right 100% of the time. You know, we've now seen, you know, we, let me take a step back. Uh, so you have your traditional ATS, you have your traditional CRMs, and all of those are designed for uh, permanent in-house hiring. Very recently in the last few years, you've seen the rise of some um, technology specific to direct sourcing. So, for example, your your work llamas of the world, your will hires, um, talent net, et cetera, live hires uh, new on the scene out of um, Australia as well. And they're 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 taking the idea of our traditional permanent hiring, your ATS, your CRM, and designing them for uh, your contingent direct sourcing programs. And so they're they're getting it right over there, I will say, um, because again, it's 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 a very different world. Although the the elements of ATS and CRM as we know them traditionally are are still there, so great they're doing that. Then we've got your permanent hiring solutions uh, that are traditional that way, um, but no one's quite brought it together yet. You know, you've got your your different VMS systems that say, hey. Uh, you know, I can put together your permanent and your contingent workforce into one dashboard, for example. Um, but there really isn't one that's that's crossing holistically. Um, you know, I think about the the workday uh, acquisition of Vinley. 
Um, you know, if they can bring that together in one true platform, you know, you might have um, kind of a soup to nuts with your external and your internal. But again, I would say that there's no one technology that's doing it all. Well, Nancy, thanks very much for your time today. It was great to meet you and talk to you. You as well. Thanks, Mark. My guest today has been Nancy Miller, the Director of Talent Technology Solution Design at Atrium. And this has been People Tech, the podcast of the HCM Technology Report. We're a publication of Recruiting Daily. We're also a part of Evergreen Podcasts. To see all of their programs, visit www.evergreenpodcasts.com. And to keep up with HR technology, visit the HCM Technology Report every day. We're the most trusted source of news in the HR tech industry. Find us at www.hcmtechnologyreport.com. I'm Mark Pfeffer. Faith in the news media has been challenged, making it even harder to get stories told. The Friday Reporter podcast was created to help audiences better understand the media by hosting journalists who will answer the questions to which we need answers. Join me every Friday to hear more. The world's best-known investor and Wall Street expert Warren Buffett once said, Wall Street is the only place that people ride to in a Rolls Royce to get advice from those who take the subway. Mr. Buffett's quote is remarkably accurate, but how many people would rather receive advice from him than someone simply guessing? Welcome to Buy, Hold, Sell, your single source for Wall Street knowledge and profitable guidance. Please join me, Todd Schoenberger, and fellow trader Tobin Smith, as well as host Veronica Dudo, for a podcast known to move the needle for investors. Tobin and I are seasoned Wall Street executives with deep investment experience, and we are prepared to share our advice to those who choose to listen. Download Buy, Hold, Sell today on the Evergreen Podcast Network or your favorite podcast channel.